We're so glad that you guys are all here this morning, or if you're watching online, special shout out to you. My name's Chris, and I'm actually our college and young adult director here, and so, man, I love this time of year that TJ was just talking about. College students are back in town this week. We're going back to school, and so we're busy getting ready for that, and I'm just so excited to be able to be here and share the message with you guys this week. You know, we're in the third week of this series that we've been in on unity over the past Last two weeks, Pastor Jonathan Stutz has been up here and bringing the word. And hasn't it been so good so far? Hasn't Jonathan done such a great job? Can we just honor him? Man, he's done such a good job just leading our church in this idea of what it means to be family, what it means to do life together. Two weeks ago, he kicked off the series and he talked about how when we have unity, it increases our ability to experience the presence of God. It increases our ability to experience the presence of God. And then last week, he talked about how when we have unity, it increases our ability to experience the power of God, right? So when we're unified, we can experience God's presence to a greater degree and God's power to a greater degree. Such powerful messages. If you missed either of those, I'd encourage you to go back and check them out. And this week, in the third and final week of this series, we're going to talk about how when we're unified, when we're unified and we're together, it increases our ability to develop the character of God in our lives. When we're unified, it increases our ability to develop the character of God in our lives. Or you could maybe say it this way, that when we have unity collectively, it actually in increases your ability and my ability as individuals to grow in spiritual maturity and to become like Jesus. And we're gonna jump into it, but you know, this message honestly is, is a powerful one, but also can be a challenging one. And I love what Jonathan said throughout this series is, is we, our heart is not for this to come off as, a, as any way as a condemnation, but rather as an invitation to step into more of Jesus together as a church and as a family. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. But it's not about what I have to say, it's about what the word of God has to say. And so this morning we're gonna start and we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter four in verse three. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Or if you have the app on your phone, would love for you to pull that out and turn to that so you have it here for yourself. Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse three. Here's what it says. Verse three, it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all in all and living through all. So I wanna pause right here for a second. And, and recognize what we just read, and then we're gonna keep reading, so keep that open. But what Paul, the apostle who wrote this, is saying is, is this is what really is also what we've been saying in this series so far, right? That as Christians, as believers, we are a body. We are a family. We are together. I love two weeks ago, Jonathan made the statement that there's no such thing as a personal relationship with Jesus found in Scripture, that that's a term that we use and it means well, but really biblically speaking, our faith is, is communal. It's family, right? We're in it together as a body. Let's keep reading Ephesians chapter four, now in verse seven. He says, however, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And we're gonna skip down now to verse 11. 
It's Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then, everybody say then. Then, when that happens, then, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So what is that saying? Well, in this passage, the apostle Paul has given us a, a, a template to follow for spiritual growth. He says that all of us have this destination that we are to get to in our spiritual maturity where we will be, as the scripture describes, where we will be, uh, where, where no matter what happens out here in the world, we will able to be, we'll, we'll stand firm in our faith in Jesus, right? That's where he wants us all to get to and that's where we all want as a church to get to together. But we could spend we could spend an entire series going through just this passage and all the implications and things that we can gain from it. But for the sake of our time here together this morning, I want us to focus on one thing that we can pull out of this passage, and that is that if we are going to grow to this level of spiritual maturity, then the only way that we can do it is together. The only way we can do it is together, that God has designed our spiritual growth process to happen in such a way that it requires the involvement of other Jesus followers, right? That's what he said here in, this, in, this, in the 13th, the 16th verse of this chapter. He says that the whole body grows together, that each part helps the other parts grow. And so he's saying that if you're going to grow into this level of maturity, it has to happen together. Another way of saying it, and this is our big idea for this morning, is that in order to grow spiritually, we must live in community. In order to grow spiritually, we must live in community. And so see, if that's true, then the negative of that is also true which is that unless we live in community, and I'm not just talking about community with anyone, I'm talking about relationships with other followers of Jesus in the context of the local church. And if we don't live in community, then we cannot grow into spiritual maturity. Because what did this passage that we just read say? It said that we are a body, that God's given these different gifts to different leaders in the church so that we can serve one another and grow together. And so see, we cannot grow into complete spiritual maturity in isolation. If we're going to grow spiritually, we must live in community. You know, I work here with our college students and I remember a couple years ago, there was a student that came up to me and, and, uh, and we were talking and it actually wasn't at the church here. I met them actually at a college campus and, and they told me they were a Christian. And I said, well, so am I. And we got on the topic of church and I asked them, do they go to church anywhere? And they said, well, yes, I go to church in my room 
on Sundays. And I was like, well, interesting, what does that mean? And they said, well, every Sunday I come and I listen to uh, a different pastor and a different sermon, and that's kind of my time with God every week. And, you know, I guess that's better than doing nothing at all, and I think that's very well-intentioned, but the tr- and there's a place for podcasts and sermons and all of that, but the truth is that's not church. It's not church. Church is not simply mis- listening to a message once a week, at least not at least it's not the kind of church, that's not the kind of community that will transform us spiritually like this passage is talking about. Church is family. Church is mutual accountability. Church is lifelong friendships where you can grow in grace together. That's what church is. That's what God's heart for community is. That's what we've been talking about in this series. And and I wanna be careful the way I say that because we stream our messages online every week. But the truth is that's why we have an online campus now and don't just stream our messages because we have opportunities and ways for those watching online to get connected in community from a distance. In fact, if you're watching online this morning, then I wanna encourage you right now in the chat, there's a connect card where you can fill out a connect card and get connected with other people. I wanna encourage you to do that. Don't just watch, come and be a part. But for those of us in the room this morning, the truth is there's a lot of us who are here week in and week out. And those descriptive words that I used earlier don't describe your church experience. Community, family, mutual accountability, lifelong friendships, In fact, in the survey that Jonathan took two weeks ago, we asked, what are some of the areas where we can help you grow in your walk with God? And almost half of our church said that we need help growing in our ability to have meaningful relationships with other Christians. Most of us said that the amount of time that we spend connecting with other Christians in meaningful ways throughout the month is maybe one to two times a month. And so this morning in this message, it's short and it's simple. I wanna talk about how can we grow in community, in the type of community, in the type of relationships that will take us to the level of spiritual maturity that God has called us to because we can't do it alone and we need each other. But in a culture, in a world that is so individualistic and that is so divided, um, especially with everything we went through with COVID last year, the, the statistics that show the number of people that experience an intense feeling of loneliness are higher than they've ever been before in history. I think it's worth asking the question, how do we live in community? And we're gonna talk about that, but living in community, just like anything else in life that's worth doing, will require something of us. It will require something of us. And the truth is, as a church staff and as pastors, we can do all that we can think to do to try to provide and create ways for our church to connect in community, but it's up to you to own this, and it's up to you to grow in relationships with other believers that will help you grow spiritually. And so I wanna give you three things that living in community will require of you. And I believe that if we'll take hold of these three things, And if we'll take hold of relationships with each other in the church, it can change our lives. And so the first thing that living in community will require of us is it will require commitment. It will require commitment. You see, we cannot grow in spiritual community until we decide to commit to spiritual community. I have this illustration over here, and I wanna show this to you guys this way. I got some uh, dirt from my backyard, and... uh, 
these awesome gardening gloves. And so I'm gonna slip these on right here and show this to you guys. You know, so right here I have a plant. Don't ask me what kind of plant it is because I do not know. Um, and my wife might know. Jen Noose on the front row probably knows. And so if I say anything wrong about this plant, just don't correct me, okay? Um, but listen, I had this plant right here. And in order for this plant to grow, what does it have to do? It has to be planted. It has to go in the dirt, right? If this plant is gonna grow, then what it needs to do, and just don't worry about that, what it needs to do is it needs to get put in this dirt and it needs to have enough time and enough nutrients and enough sunlight, and it probably doesn't want me pressing on it, but it needs enough time to grow. Why? Because the only way, the only way that this plant can grow any sort of fruit, any sort of flower, anything that's beneficial to the world, as if it gives, has enough time and is here long enough to let its roots grow down into this soil so that it can produce something. You see, where there's no root, there's no fruit. And the same is true with our development in community. <laughs> I got this, you know. The same is true for us, Okay. If we're not rooted in godly community, if we're not rooted in relationships, then it's very difficult for fruit to come out of our life. And this is challenging for our generation, especially my generation. I think our culture in general is challenging because we celebrate the idea of leaving and going all over the world. Right, We wanna buy the cheap plane ticket and go to a place we've never been before. And look, I'm all about adventure. I work with a missions organization. I'm all about that, but I'm also all about the power of staying in relationships for a long period of time where you can be known and where your roots can grow because that is how God develops your life. I wanna illustrate it this way. I was preparing for this message. <laughs> I'll put this down. I was preparing for this message and um, I'm gonna leave the gloves on, okay, so. We're gonna go back to that. But I was preparing for this message, I was reading a book and he was talking about this idea of the power of staying in one place for a long time and specifically in one spiritual community for a long time. And he quoted a, there's a monastery in Western United States where, you know, monks will, Christian monks will go and they'll study. And before anyone with an intention to go and live in that monastery would have to take something called a vow of stay. And this essentially was a commitment that they were making to be in this one place for a very long time, potentially until they die. And I wanna read it to you. It says, we vow to remain all our life with our local community. We vow to live together, to pray together, to work together and to relax together. We give up the temptation to move from place to place in search of an ideal situation. Ultimately, there is no escape from oneself and the idea that things will be better someplace else is usually an illusion. Interpersonal conflicts arise and we have great incentive to work things out and restore peace. This means learning the practices of love, acknowledging one's own offensive behavior, giving up one's preferences and forgiving. I think what the people who were in charge of that monastery understood was that in order for fruit to grow, roots have to grow. In our community, in our relationships, in godly community of those around us. But here's the challenge with this, is it all sounds good. But how many of you know that growing roots can get dirty, right? Growing roots can get dirty. Because what happens? 
We get around a group of people, we get in a community, and if you're there long enough, what is going to happen is you're going to have conflict. You're going to have something that causes you to, get, to disagree. You're going to be asked to do something that's not convenient for you and something that you don't want to do, and the root-growing system becomes much more dirty than we'd like for it to be. And so often what we do is we dig ourselves up and we go somewhere else. We leave that friendship. We leave those people. We cancel culture. We leave that marriage. We leave that church. And we go somewhere else. And we say, okay, things will be better here. And so I'll dig up the dirt here and I'll make a mess here. And then what I'll do is I'll plant myself and things are better for a little bit. Until we realize that even here, the root growing process is dirty. And so what do we do? We, we dig ourselves up and we're making a mess and dirt's everywhere and, and, and we go over here and we say, okay, I can plant myself here in this relationship, in this community, in this marriage, in this thing. And, but then over time, we're going from place to place. And this is the, you know, the whole church hopping term in our culture is we're going from here to here to here. And what happens is over time, our ability to grow roots, our ability to have the type of relationships that will change our life is gone. But here's the thing that we need to know. It's actually in the dirt. It's in our conflict. It's in our potential disagreements that we become like Jesus. That's why God has brought imperfect people together in this place called church. It's because it's, it's in our offense with each other that we learn to forgive. Right, it's in our being uncomfortable that we learn to die to ourselves and to live for other people instead of ourselves. Right, it's in the dirt that roots grow. Man, it's so important that we understand that. And when we commit and when we stay, even through conflict, even through challenge, we grow. This is the story of my life. I came to this church when I was 13 years old. So I've been here for 10 years. And over that time, there have been a lot of things that I've not agreed with but choosing to stay over time has produced something in me. And now there's people, and I remember even last week, there was someone there saying, man, we just can't believe that you're, you know, they're saying you have this wisdom for your age. And it, it, the thing is, if that's true, the only reason it's there is because of the soil that I've been in. That's the only reason that that's there. And because it's just, I've been around long enough for it to change my life. And so we have to commit. Second thing we have to do, second thing that community will require of you is it requires vulnerability. It requires vulnerability. And I'll speak for myself here. I love going into a group of people and telling people things I'm good at, right? Who doesn't like to do that, you know? And, uh, and so I'll go in and, you know, I'm talking about things I'm strong and things I'm good at. But the problem is that's not how you grow. You grow when you talk about your weaknesses. You grow when you talk about the things that you don't want to talk about and when you're vulnerable. And I think this is such a challenge in church culture because we don't always do a great job of how we relate to our weaknesses. A lot of times we treat them as something to run from and something to hide, but the truth is it's in our areas of weakness where we encounter and experience God's grace. And I wanna illustrate, you know, this is, I wanna, we're talking about family and we're talking about community and, and, uh, and, and so I wanna go first in vulnerability. For me, something that I struggled with for a really long time was an addiction to pornography. I was exposed to it when I was a kid. And, and thankfully, by God's grace, now I am free from that. But, but man, there were years and years and years being in the church, being in youth group, in ministry and all this stuff and struggling with that. 
And there was a while where I didn't wanna tell anyone about it. And eventually I decided to open up. And it wasn't until I got some other men in my life who said, hey, I've been there and I've been through that. And I fought that. And that they started standing with me. And I started being honest with them. That wasn't really until then that I started to grow in that area. And I remember I had one friend, his name was Graham Monroe. And uh, Graham, Graham and I were kind of accountability partners. And, and, uh, and, and so we had decided, you know, just to hold each other accountable to this. And I remember one day I went and, and I looked at some things that, that I shouldn't have looked at. And, and I said, well, I need to tell Graham. And, and I texted Graham and I said, hey man, like, I just want you to know this is, you know, this is what happened. I remember I was so worried about what he would say. And he texted me back and I'll never forget what he said. He said, you are such a man after God's own heart. I've been there before. And I want you to know there's grace for you. I'm gonna stand with you in this and you're gonna get out of it. And in that moment, man, I felt freer than I'd ever felt before because I, well, what I experienced was love in the face of my weaknesses, in the face of my addictions, in the face of my challenges. I remember there was another time when another church member here, uh, a man, him and I, we would meet together every Friday morning and just to hold each other accountable. And we just have honest conversation about what we were tempted with, what we were, you know, wanting to do, things that were going through our heads. And we found so much freedom through that. You see, the most dangerous thing in our Christian life is not to be struggling with some deep, dark sin, The most dangerous thing in our Christian life is to be struggling with that and for no one to know about it. When we put ourselves in that position, you're making your mind a playground for the devil. And he can speak all sort of lies and put in all sort of shame. But when it's the moment that you get it out into the light with other people, I'm telling you, you can find freedom. And we can start to become like Jesus together, but it requires us to be vulnerable. I love this in James chapter five, Verse 16, it says this. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, when we confess our sins to God, we're able to find forgiveness. But when we confess to each other, man, we're able to find freedom. So what does it require of us? It requires commitment, requires vulnerability. And the last thing it requires is love. Requires love. To live in community requires love. You know, love is really what makes all this possible. And the truth is the idea of being in community and being vulnerable is terrifying until you experience love and unless you experience love. But when you experience the power of being known and loved, man, it's something that can change your entire life. This is what makes it possible is to love each other. I love this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. And most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Man, that's what Graham did for me. He loved me. He loved me. He did, I knew what I was doing was wrong. He didn't have to tell me that, but he was able to stand with me and to love me. And I'm telling you that when we commit to each other, that when we're vulnerable with each other and when we love each other together, we can grow into spiritual maturity. And I want you to hear our heart in this message. This message is not trying to tell you that you need to stay at our church and not go to any other church. This message is, is really for you. It's not about us, it's for you. It's an invitation for you to step in to the type of relationships that will change your life because I've experienced it in my life. 
I've experienced the power of life-giving relationships, and man, it has made me who I am today. But I know that this message can be challenging to hear, especially if you've been in community before where you haven't been loved well or where you've opened yourself up to people before and they've made you feel shame or they've made you feel condemnation. And I wanna be the first to tell you that I'm sorry if that's happened because that is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult. But here's what I also want you to know. It's that in Jesus, you can find a love that will never let you down. And also, man, I wish I could say that when you connect with people here at Definition that, that, uh, that, that they won't let you down or they won't hurt you. But the truth is, if we do life this way, it's gonna get dirty. If we do life together, it's gonna get dirty and we're gonna hurt each other. But love is what makes it possible. When we, when we together are experiencing the love of Jesus in our life, it empowers us to have grace and to love each other. Also, it's important to say that community is not intended to replace Jesus in our lives. It's intended to point to Jesus. That together we will let each other down, but when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, who never lets us down, he increases our capacity to love each other. Listen to this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. He says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. I think there's different groups of people here in this right now. For one group of us, you know, maybe you have been hurt. And I want to encourage you, let God come in and heal. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to do communion and an opportunity to forgive anyone who's hurt us, any community that's wronged us. Let's let the love of God heal us so that instead of being victims, man, we can be vessels of his grace and power and love and forgiveness. Maybe there's another group of us listening where the truth is you have felt lonely or maybe you've been coming here every week and and still no one, you know, you don't know anyone else's name. Well, I wanna encourage you to take a step to get into community. Right now is the best time of year that we could ever have to do that. Man, we're starting a bunch of small groups and small groups, this is why we're a church that's so passionate about small groups because it's good to come here and to listen to a word every Sunday. It's just, there's more to church than that. And God has more for you than that. And so I wanna encourage you this fall, get into a small group. It's worth the sacrifice that it takes one night a week to be able to be in a community, to be in a circle where you can be known, where you can be committed, where you can be vulnerable and where you can be loved. Man, where we can get in the dirt with each other and we can grow roots down together and we can grow. I think we have a link to put up on the screen if we could put that up there to be able to, anyone that can go to that and you can find a small group. There's over a hundred small groups our church has. There's more starting every single month. Small groups for youth, small group for young adults, small groups for men, for women, for marriages. Let's go into this fall and let's do life together. Let's do community together. There's some of you here and you, know, you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet and God's been stirring in your heart and you've been feeling alone and you've been feeling hurt. Well, not only is it important for the community to be with you, but also there's a God who wants to be with you in every season, who wants to have a relationship with you. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, that all of us have sinned against him but that God loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to come and to die on the cross for all of your sins, for everything you've done wrong so that you can have a relationship with him. And today he wants to have a relationship with you. 
And man, if you want that, if you want relationship with God, you can just accept him into your heart to call in the name of Jesus, to receive forgiveness of sin and to begin new life in him. And so I wanna give us an opportunity to do that. If we could all bow our heads and close our eyes. Anyone here who says, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I want you to do something bold and just to pray this prayer with me. There's nothing super magic about this prayer. This is just an opportunity for you to accept what Jesus has done for you to begin a relationship with him. You can pray this with me if that's you today. Dear Jesus, I confess that I've sinned, but I believe that you came to die for me on the cross. And right now, I'm giving my life to follow you for all my days. I give you my future, I give you my past, I give you my present. In Jesus' name, amen.